Cities, towns, and communities across America are seeing the failed results of revolving door criminal justice policies. In New York City, 327 criminals accounted for 30% of the city's 22,000 shoplifting arrests last year alone. Just this past December in California, a sheriff's deputy was gunned down by a criminal who, while facing the possibility of a life sentence, made bail and was out in the community continuing his carnage. Today we're joined by National Fraternal Water Police Vice President Joe Gamaldi to discuss this crime crisis, attacks on officers, the recruiting and retention problems, and more. I'm Patrick Gillis, National President of Fraternal Water Police, and this is The Blue View. Well, Joe, thanks for, thanks for joining us on the uh, Blue View podcast. I, I know everyone knows you. Uh, you're, you're certainly a, a, a outspoken person for the uh, for the rank, rank and file law enforcement officers out there. But for anyone that you know, our listeners that uh, that may be tuning in, um, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, you know, I've been a police officer now for 18 years. I uh, started my career in the NYPD. I, I did three years there, and people are familiar with the story. You know, I was living in a shoebox apartment, you know, the type that's so small when you open your bedroom door and hit your bed. And one day I just kind of woke up and said, does this really want what for my life, you know? So moved down to Texas about 15 years ago, best decision of my life, and, uh, you know, joined the Houston Police Department there. I've been there now for 15 years I got involved locally with our with our lodge at the local level, uh, rose through the ranks there as the uh, second vice president and as the president. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, being president, I got elected the national vice president, of the FOP. And, uh, you know, been doing that for the last, my goodness, uh, over three years. And just, you know, we're doing a great job here at the FOP, just providing that strong opposing voice and standing up for the hard work of men and women of law enforcement, I think, for a long time. You know, law enforcement kind of kept its head down. We didn't really have that strong voice and our profession suffered as a result. So I'm really proud of the strides that the FOP has made. And we truly are the number one voice for law enforcement in this country, speaking with that unified voice, giving a voice to the to the men and women that push a patrol car every single day. And I'm really proud of the things that we've done. Well, Joe, I appreciate uh, your, your outspoken uh, uh, clarity on, on a lot of issues that have to do uh, with the challenges facing law enforcement. This really is a, uh, you know, a difficult time for law enforcement of trying to, trying to, to, to find a way uh, to, to evolve as a profession. And at the same time, cut out a lot of the rhetoric that is making our communities and our jobs less safe. And with that, let's go ahead and unpack that. Let's talk about it. We, here we are, 2022. You know, we start in 2023. We look back at the last year and there's a lot of lessons for us to, to, to learn from it. And not surprising when you look at carjackings, when you look at homicides, you look at crime in cities across this country from largest cities to, to almost and no community is safe from it. Um, and you, and you, you, you look, you contrast that to what's going on in, in the amount of officers shot in a line of duty last year and how many were killed. Well, it's not surprising to, to say that we're in some very dangerous waters now. So let, let's go ahead and unpa- unpack it. We'll, you know, let's talk about those uh, elements that are there that, that are causing the crime, but more importantly, the constructive ways that we can, we can move forward as a nation. Yeah, I don't really know how to put it any better than to just say there is a culture of lawlessness that has gripped this country. And we're seeing the symptoms everywhere. In the last two years in this country, 2021 and 2022, we had over 20,000 homicides. We haven't seen those numbers since the mid-1990s, which I was like 12 or 13 at the time. But we haven't seen those numbers in a very long time. And you would think 
that when you're seeing things like this, when you're seeing the complete erosion of the rule of law in our urban communities, we are seeing businesses shutter their doors. We're just seeing tax bases destroyed. It's created food deserts because these, these stores are closing, financial deserts. Banks won't even move into these neighborhoods. We're seeing the homicide rate for black Americans at 12 times the rate of anyone else. So you would think there would be this swell of support of, we need to crack down, we need law and order. And it's exactly the opposite. We're not learning any lessons in Illinois right now. They are, they just passed legislation to make their revolving door even worse, to let people back out on crimes even quicker. This is at a time when the homicide rate in Illinois is up 48% in the last 10 years. This is at a time when on the west side of Chicago, the murder rate is so high, it rivals the most violent city in the world, Tijuana, Mexico. You are just as likely to be murdered on the west side of Chicago as Tijuana. That is happening in America right now. And there is no, you know, you see those on the left and you see these woke revolving door policies continuing to be pushed. When we see this utter chaos and destruction, they're doing the same thing in Washington, D.C. Crime is through the roof there and they're attempting to pass even more, uh, you know, less stringent laws on people. I mean, it, it defies all logic. It's the, essentially, hey, our house is on fire, so let's throw gasoline on it. And we're not just seeing it with victims in our communities. We're seeing that violence escalate on law enforcement as well, because when there's no consequences for people's actions, they're going to continue to do things. So we saw 331 police officers shot in 2022. 64 of those paid the 64 of those officers paid with their lives. In addition, we had nearly 90 ambush attacks. This is coming off 2021 which was the deadliest year for law enforcement and intentional homicides in over 20 years. These are facts, folks. This is not, you know, obviously I get emotional and I get upset when I talk about these things because these are fathers, sons, mothers, and daughters. But it is not up for debate any longer that there is a war on cops in this country. You know, you'll see academics and some politicians who sit their asses safely behind a desk, by the way, saying that there's no real violence against law enforcement. It's not so bad. Well, I'll tell you, we have the statistical data to back it up. But let me just give you the anecdotal data. I still ride the streets on night shift patrol in the inner city of Houston. Every single one of these officers that are going out there right now, we're going out with targets on our backs. That's how we feel. And it's backed up by the statistics I just laid out. And this war on cops, it's not just because of the revolving door criminal justice policies, which certainly plays a role. Because when criminals know that they're not going to be thrown in jail for 20 years for shooting at a police officer, they're more inclined to do it the next time. It's also because for the better part of a decade, we've treated police officers like crap in this country. We've had politicians and activists and journalists who it's basically become a grift for them. They know that they can make money if they bash law enforcement. They know if they demonize and denigrate law enforcement, there's a certain segment of the population that's going to support them. But they have a responsibility to support the hardworking men and women of law enforcement when we're out there protecting our communities, when we're doing it the right way. And I don't believe that it's unreasonable to ask any politician or any leader in this country from the White House on down to condemn violence against law enforcement. That is an extremely low bar to just make a statement to say we shouldn't be assaulting police officers. And yet they can't even do that. And that's what's really frustrating for law enforcement officers across the country. 
You know, Joe, uh, you know, in the case of you, you mentioned uh, Washington, D.C., about the, uh, the city council uh, taking steps to make it even easier uh, or harder for law, for our law enforcement to, to police the streets and easier for criminals to get out. At least the mayor had the, the good uh, the good sense to veto that. So, um, you know, it, it defies logic in, in a lot of places on, on some of the strategies that are in place. But look, the reality of it is this. Uh, when you look at crime in, in cities across this country, there's, there's one thing that they all have in common. And that is, is that the vast majority of the crime is committed by a very small percentage of pe- people. And when law enforcement can take those people off the streets, when a criminal justice system keeps them off the streets, they don't continue to prey in carnage on communities. Yet, unfortunately, we find ourselves where the, 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 the ideology of somehow trying to do some type of reform, uh, that's going to benefit the community. Uh, because there are certain groups of people that maybe need, do need a second chance, which we, we agree. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily that the, the criminal justice system is, is perfect. It's, it's constantly, it's evolving. It's a, you know, it's a living, it's a living, uh, approach towards, you know, the, the actions of communities, the growth of communities. So, so in, in that respect, that, that where's the common sense when it comes to those most egregious cases? That somehow we think that we need to put them back on the street. How is it that we feel that somehow uh, this this open door policy is so, going to make our community safer when there's statistic after statistic after statistic? And look, here's the thing about numbers. You know, you talk about you, know, you talk about the number number of crimes we have. Uh, you know, you're talking about food deserts. You're talking about businesses leaving the communities. You know, what is the quality of life? You know, you could argue in some cases that uh, quality of life in communities has little to do with law enforcement. It has to do with all of the different components that exist within a community. And then it has everything to do with law enforcement. Because if you don't have policing, then the other aspects don't exist. So, so we have, we have some serious challenges here in cities across this country that still adopt an ideology that somehow they're going to you know, change policies and make it easier for criminals to play, prey on people. And somehow they do it in, 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 in the belief that they're making, you know, social reform. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Everybody seems to know this isn't working, but the people that are setting the policies and they're, and they're not policy experts either. They're just politicians who are just saying, well, we shouldn't really throw the book at people because that might, you know, upset folks. But here's the thing, and I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret here. Incarceration can work to reduce crime if we can have a nuanced conversation about how we use it. Because right away when we start talking about incarceration, you just want to throw everybody in jail. No, that's not what we're saying. Because, you know, the young mother who shoplifts a loaf of bread for her hungry kids, I'm not suggesting we throw her in prison. But guess who I am suggesting that we throw in prison? You know, the dirtbag who goes into your local CVS or Rite Aid or anybody else and loads up garbage bags full of products every single week because he just wants to steal, resell stuff. That is a career criminal who is not going to change because you give him a hug and, and don't give him jail time. The only thing he's going to respond to is being thrown in jail. And guess what? When he gets back out, he's going to do it again anyway. That's but at a, least for the period of time that he's in jail, he won't be able to prey on folks. That's 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 a, a group of people that do so because they know there's no consequences to do otherwise. And mm-hmm. that's the reality of it. You take away the deterrence, uh, then you can expect more behavior. That's uh, just 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 normal uh, normal <laughs> you know logic there. And uh, you know it's 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 clearly not working, and it's causing people their lives. It's it's causing quality of life. The the very communities that uh, that a lot 
lot of these policies, you know, a lot of these uh, cities that, that that adopt these policies that think that they're protecting are really the ones that are that are impacted the most. And, and that's that's the reality of it. Yeah. And it's frustrating, too, because you know what? Every community deserves to be safe. Every community, every community member should feel like they can walk their kids to school safely. Every community member should be able to go to a grocery store nearby their house or go to a bank nearby their house. But with all these businesses shutting, we're completely ruining those communities. I mean, we're, we're literally losing urban communities for a generation because of these policies. So when are we going to start talking about the people that are impacted by it? You mentioned it several times. They deserve to have a good quality of life. And they're being abandoned by politicians. They, they, basically, the only way I can put it is politicians have stopped giving a damn about the regular people in our communities who go to work every day, who want the safe streets. And instead, they're listening to this small vocal minorities who don't, you know, uh, that are activists on the far left, that don't have jobs, that show up to city council meetings and scream the loudest. And we are just responding now to emotional outbursts and emotional arguments instead of using facts, hard data, subject matter experts to figure out how we can solve these problems. I mean, it's within our realm of possibility to fix this because we've done it before. We Does anybody remember that our urban communities used to be rife with violent crime? But what we did is we embraced the rule of law. We used broken windows theories. We vehemently prosecuted violent criminals. You know, we obviously didn't have bail reform back then. We should stop doing that as well. But I'm saying we can make a difference. We can change these things. But we are quickly running out of time to turn this around and turn it around quickly because, you know, we can't just turn. This ain't a speedboat. This is an ocean liner that's going to take a long time to turn around. And we're talking about where we're at now. It's going to take us 10 years to get our urban communities back if we started today. And judging by how politicians are acting, there doesn't seem to be a lot of motivation to fix things right now. Well, Joe, I have to, you know, just point out just uh, just a few short years ago, the FOP was one of the only, uh, certainly only rank and file organization, but one of the one of the very few organizations that actually sat down with the president and said, you know what, the criminal criminal justice system is broken. We do need to do, make some some drastic changes and uh, pass the first step back. The first step back was probably the the, the greatest or, or the the largest uh, advancement in, in policing in probably fifty years. So it's it's not a matter of just taking people off the streets uh, and our. I've always seen my role as a law enforcement officer is to, to try and correct behavior. There's a lot of ways to correct that behavior. Uh, if there's, you know, there are people out there that, uh, that are one off, you know, they, they, they get in trouble. It's a teachable moment for them. They, they, then they generally don't get in trouble again. There are others that are habitual. Uh, and that's the ones that we really need to focus on. We need to focus on the ones that continue in an escalation that, uh, that, that, you know, in time to deteriorate the quality of our communities. And look, there's another respect, another side to this. You know, without our intervention, without us stopping those people who go into the to the CVS and steal everything in it, well, all we're doing is creating a path for them to become career criminals because they're not going to stop there. It's that intervention that could very well reverse the reverse it. So there, there's there's so many dynamics to this. It doesn't seem to be working, uh, and, and and it doesn't just seem to be to, to be realized by a lot of a lot of communities that continue. But I also also have to say this. You know, you look at where we were a year ago. I mean, our jobs, our our, our communities aren't aren't any safer today than they were you know a while back. But I will say, and I think you'll have to agree, there are a number of cities now that are recognizing that some of these policies just aren't working. It's starting to take, although maybe not as quick as we would like, um, but they are taking steps to recognize that uh, that that 
things need to change and taking a completely different attitude towards uh, towards enforcement of laws within their communities because now they're dealing with the carnage that has existed during that time. Yeah, I think you're seeing it play out in a number of places. You know, there was a recall effort in San Francisco as it's successful. There was a recall effort in L.A. Uh, there was also, you know, in Philadelphia, um, you know, the legislature went after Larry Krasner there. So I think people are definitely waking up. They're, they're definitely much more aware of what's going on in their communities than they were in the past. But I think you brought up a great point. The current system that we have with this revolving door, it's not helping anyone. It's not helping the community. It's not helping the criminal justice. It's certainly not helping the cops. I mean, we're frustrated because we're putting the same people in jail over and over again. But you're not helping the criminals either. Because you know what? What about that 18-year-old kid who does commit a serious crime? And instead of addressing that issue, holding that person accountable, you just give them a slap on the wrist and a velvet glove treatment. You're teaching that individual that it's okay to do it again. And now we've set this low expectation. So as you said, we put them on a path of it. Instead of having that early intervention and getting them on the right path, and maybe we stop them from going into a life of crime. But, you know, that's not the route we're taking right now. And as a result, our, our communities really are suffering. I can only hope that, you know, things have gotten so bad that, that people are paying attention. But also there's a role for, you know, federal legislation to help us out on this too. Passing the Protect and Serve Act, which would make it a federal crime to knowingly assault a police officer. There were a lot of Republicans who, you know, ran on a platform of law and order and saying that they support police officers and they want to support us. Well, here's a great first step. Let's take it out of the hands of rogue DAs, activist judges who continually give slaps on the wrist to people who shoot at police officers and shoot police officers. And then, and instead, let's give them federal jail time for doing it. Let's start taking our country back. Let's start taking law and order seriously. And that's a good first step. So I'll be interested to see if they follow through. And, and look, just uh, for our audience, those that may not be familiar with what, uh, what the Protect and Serve Act is, it uh, would allow the federal government or uh, federal agencies to, uh, to accept charges against individuals who purposely uh, harm law enforcement officers uh, or try to kill law enforcement officers, target law enforcement officers. Those uh, those laws exist in other in you know in in in, in you know different parts of the, of the section, but specifically the law enforcement officers. And, and here's the this quantitative data. I mean, we can tell you, we can tell you the amount of ambush attacks we get every year. When you get an ambush attack, that is a deliberate attempt. Uh, there's no other factors involved in this. That an ambush attack is a deliberate attempt uh, to to kill a police officer. Uh, and that in itself, those numbers are off the chart. If it was in any other profession, we would have passed this law. But somehow law enforcement officers, because Imagine we're willing. Journalists, Pat. Imagine yeah. if it was politicians that were getting ambush attack. I'm pretty sure we'd see some sweeping legislation passed. Look, uh, from from minors to to every profession, we we look at these things and we we say, well, this, this is appalling. This is appalling when we see incidents happen across this country and say, you know what, we ought to fix these things. But somehow we, we're tone deaf when it comes to recognizing the amount of law enforcement officers that are, are shot every year. You know, look, don't people don't understand that an attack on law enforcement is a stain on society. It's an attack on our way of life. It's an attack on our rule of law. Like, and you've, you've said this in interviews too, and you're, and you're on the record making this statement numerous times. If people are willing to shoot cops, what do you think they're going to do to you? Like, no doubt. Folks, wake up. Yeah. And let, and let me point something out. Uh, you know, you mentioned 64 officers were killed last year by gunfire. 331 were shot. There were 331 they tried to kill. Yep. 
And that doesn't count the, those who, who they missed. Uh, and the reason why that, that does, the difference between those numbers is, is, is because of modern medicine. Emergency medicine, technology. saving lives, yeah, Your technologies, best. all yeah. of these things, you know. But but the reality is, is don't focus on that sixty four because they tried to kill the three hundred thirty one, yeah. And it make making this a you know extremely dangerous year for anyone who's brave enough to pin on a badge and show up in communities across this country and put their life on the line for people they they don't even know. And yet yeah. somehow we've been dehumanized because of our commitment to our community. No, you're absolutely right. And, and you logic. mentioned. You know, the people that are that are willing to make that sacrifice, they're in short supply these days. You know, yes. we are we are having an incredibly difficult time. And, you know, this trying to recruit people to this profession. And and is it because, oh, people don't want to go to a life of service anymore? No, it's not that. It's because, you know, there are smart people who weigh their options and they and they look at what's going on. And when you see police officers getting spit in the face. When you see them getting cursed out every single day, when you see them not being supported by their elected officials, by their local leaders, that has an impact on people. And they don't want to take a job like that. So they say, you know what, I'm going to do something else instead. So as a result, we're not getting the best of the best. They're, they're voting with their feet and they're going other places. And there's only one way. There's only a couple ways this can go. As we continue to not see anyone wanting to take this job. The only way we, the only couple ways we can handle this is you'll see departments start to lower their standards, which we're already seeing, and we're going to see that is, community. And that is disastrous. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's just going to exacerbate a problem because years from now, that those oats are going to get sowed, and we're going to have controversial issues that come as a result of not vetting on the front end because we just wanted to get people through the door. And the only, uh, the only other solution is for cities to just say we're going to do it with less police officers, which means. We're no longer going to provide the services that you've expected, even though you're still paying your taxes. And once again, who is that going to hurt the most? Because you know what rich folks are going to do? They're just going to hire private police forces or private security companies. And the folks that are living in our underprivileged communities won't get the services that they deserve. This all plays a role when you talk about the war on cops in this country. So maybe, just maybe, politicians should wake up a little bit, grow a spine, and actually support law enforcement. And I'm not saying, because, you know, when I say this, you'll always hear somebody chirp and say, oh, you just want police officers to be supported no matter what they do. That's not what I'm saying. When we're doing things right, when we're following policy, training, and the law, we should be supported by everyone. I'm sorry. Just because, you know, we have emotional arguments on the other side doesn't negate the fact that our officers are doing a great job every single day. You know, Joe, you, you, you brought up, you bring up some great points, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to simplify all of this for you. I, I don't care what profession you're in. Uh, you could be a painter. You could be a printer. You could, you could be a baker. You could be working at a restaurant. It doesn't matter what you do. I think everyone in life, everyone, whether in their communities, in their professions, we want two things. We want to know that what we do is important and that we're appreciated for doing it. Amen. And if we ha- and if we had those two things in law enforcement, if 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 law enforcement officers felt that way, then our recruiting issues would not be as damaging, you know, as damaged as they are, because we would be out there encouraging people to come to this profession. But the reality is, is that because law enforcement officers, we talk about recruiting and retention, and we need to reverse that. We need to talk about retention and recruiting, because until we we make the officers feel that they what they do is important, 
or help the officers feel that what they're doing is important and that they feel valued for doing it, appreciated for doing it, we're not going to fix this problem. And it all starts with recognizing that we can talk as loud as we want, but until we start addressing these issues that are really causing uh, crime within our communities, causing a carnage in our communities, unless we realistically take approach and work together to do it, it's not going to change. So Agreed. final final thoughts, Joe, and then we'll wrap it up. Well, you know, final thoughts is just folks in your local communities, make sure you're really paying attention to local politics. I think it's so easy to get caught up in the national political scene, but all politics really are local. Make sure you're really engaged. Pay attention to who your district attorney is, who your judges are, city council, you know, whoever school board, all these things are important. But those local races are what impacts your day-to-day life the most. So please engage yourselves, educate yourselves. And if you see something going wrong in your community, and I don't mean like crime-wise, of course, call the police. But I mean, if you see the direction of your community going in the wrong direction, speak up. I know it's difficult. I know you have lives, you have families, you got to get the kids off to school, you got to get in the practice, you got to do this, you got to do that. But if we all don't engage, we will quickly lose the country that we love so dear. I I truly believe that right now we are fighting for the very soul of our country. And I feel like we're losing. We are losing law and order. We are losing the ability for someone to live out their American dream because we just refuse to hold. We, We just created a society where we tell people you are no longer responsible for your actions. It's always somebody else's fault. You're no longer held accountable. And that's just not sustainable. We cannot go on like this. So please, please engage locally. And another thing, too, if you see a police officer out in your community, just go up and say thank you. You have no idea what that means to a police officer. You will make their day, make their week just by saying thank you. It means so much to us to interact with the community. So please, you know, if you see an officer out there, thank them. And also for those of you out there who support law enforcement, thank you for the continued support. And to every police officer out there. Please be safe. Keep your head on a swivel and back each other up. Uh, well spoken. Uh, thank you, Joe. Appreciate you joining us and uh, love your passion and appreciate all you do for the FOP. Uh, this is some dangerous times, but you know what? Everyone works together. We're working towards a common goal and we're, we're doing some good. So thank you. Thank you for your part. And Thanks to our viewers and, and, and to our, uh, and, and to our viewers and our listeners, I want to thank you for tuning into the Blue View podcast where we talk about the issues that are so vitally important to the men and women, uh, in law enforcement who shoot, suit up and show up every in communities across this country every single day. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.